God said once upon a time in your life, let there be light in John Piper's heart and all the rebellion and all the wickedness and all the resistance collapsed. Discover the transformative power of God's grace as John Piper unpacks Romans 1, 6, and 7 in this episode of Light and Truth. This sermon was originally preached at Bethlehem Baptist Church on May 17, 1998. When you read this phrase in verse 6, you are the called of Jesus Christ, I believe that means you were called by God to belong to Jesus Christ. The NIV already solves the problem for you with its paraphrase, and it's a right one, I believe. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God who has called you, notice who's the caller, God who has called you into the fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. And we could look in numerous other texts where God is the caller and He calls into the kingdom. He calls into light. He calls into fellowship with the Son of God. And He calls for glory and He calls for eternal joy. God did that. If you are called this morning, God did that. And if you are called this morning, you are now enjoying fellowship with Jesus Christ. He's your friend, your lover, your husband, your savior, your Lord. The one who said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And will bring you and keep you in this called condition forever. Here's the second thing I assumed and now want to try to defend. Namely, that the call in this verse is a call that is issued by God not to everyone, but to some. Turn with me to chapter 8, if you'd like to see the evidence for this. We'll look at two texts for evidence. Romans 8, verses 28 to 30. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. For whom now? For whom does all things work together for good? All things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. So not all are called. To those who love God, that's the subjective experience of what we have in our heart. And then the objective thing that's been done to us is, and who are called according to His purpose, to those people, everything works together for good. To the non-called, everything doesn't work together for good. Some are called and some are not. Look at verse 30. These whom He predestined... He also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. Not everybody is justified, but all the called are justified. Therefore, not all are called. This is a unique, particular, special act 
of favor and grace directed towards totally undeserving, godless, unbelieving people. Like Paul on the Damascus Road heading towards the persecution. And let me tell you, I had a man come up here at the end of last service, standing right there. He took my hand and he said, John, just want to encourage you, this is not theoretical. Thirty years ago, I came home. My eyes were glazed with drugs. I was on a hell-bent trajectory in every direction but heaven. And I fell on my bed. And God brought Ephesians 2.8 to my mind out of nowhere from somewhere back in my childhood and saved me. And I was changed. Like that, he said. God did that. I wasn't asking. I wasn't seeking. God did that. And I thank him. No, it isn't theory. It isn't theory. So the question comes, well, what is this call? Aren't we supposed to preach the gospel to everybody? You saying that on Tuesday night when we gather here to do evangelism, we're supposed to kind of do some hocus pocus and decide which house to go to, where the called are, or something like that? The answer to that question is a resounding no. Yes, we are supposed to preach the gospel to everybody. And no, we are not to play God and pick out which house to go to and which house not to in some sense of whether there's a called person there. No way. We do exactly what Jesus did. He took the seed of the word and it says they, he scattered it on every soil. You scatter the word on every soil in Minneapolis, every soil at work, every soil in your extended family over and over and over till the eyes cannot weep anymore over your father or your son or your sister. You keep on doing it and you keep on praying. And this message this morning is to put reason in your prayer that God can do it. No, we do not play God. That's his business. We do the universal preaching with Billy Graham and with tracts and with books and every other way. That's the meaning of evangelism. That's the meaning of missions. But that is not the call of Romans 1, 6. The universal call of the gospel that goes out over the radio every day, that's going out from my mouth right now, is not the call of Romans 1, 6. That call accomplishes what it commands. When the gospel goes out, when it is preached as a universal offer, the meaning is, Christ is here. Christ is presented. 
Christ is offered. Christ is beautiful. The death of Christ is sufficient for every sin that has ever been committed. Be awakened. Be drawn. Be attracted. See. Embrace. Trust. Call upon. Be saved. That's the gospel. And everyone who wills, whosoever will, may come and be saved. And everybody knows who hasn't got their head in the sand, they don't all come. Why did you come? Smart? Courage? Why did you come? What answer would you give to God why you came? Let's go to 1 Corinthians one twenty-three for the answer why you came. And I go here just to support what we're seeing in Romans one six and Romans 8. 28 and 30, so that you can see it's scattered about through his epistles elsewhere. And perhaps the Lord might use a different divine inspired word to awaken some of you this morning. 1 Corinthians 1.23, we preach Christ crucified. So you see what Paul's saying? He's saying, I walk into Corinth, this city, this is a wicked city. I walk into Corinth and I lift up my voice and I say, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was crucified for sinners. Everybody is a sinner. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life. The blood of Jesus Christ can cover all your sins. It is sufficient for everything you've ever done or ever will done. Behold the beauty of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Come, believe, put your trust in Him, and you will have everlasting life. And everyone who is called comes. Let's read it. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews, most of them. He's a stumbling block, and they stumble over that message of a crucified Messiah. To the Gentiles, the ones who know a little philosophy and are secular, it's just foolishness. It's just foolishness what's going on at this church this morning and in the gospel. But, verse 24, to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks and every other ethnic group where the gospel is preached, to those who are called, this Christ no longer appears like a stumbling block. And this Christ no longer appears like foolishness. This Christ is in their hearts now the very power and the wisdom of God. And they believe. That's why you came. God called you. And owing to no virtue in you whatsoever, you saw Him as believable, beautiful, glorious, trustworthy. And you could not not come. 
And that's why it's called irresistible. Sometimes people say, no, you believe in irresistible grace. And they chalk it up as an ugly thing that has people kicking and screaming and saying, no, 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 I hate Jesus, I hate Jesus, I hate Jesus. It's not the way it happens. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to know where you came from, Christian. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, I want you to know what you are utterly dependent upon so that you will fall upon it. You will rest in it. and You will not run away from it this morning. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Just stop right there. Two things are conspiring to ruin your life if you're not a believer. Your own unbelief and rebellion and the devil are conspiring to blind you. Unbelief is a kind of blindness and the devil jumps on it and makes it as dark as he can. So the devil and your own corrupt heart of unbelief is blinding you if you're not a believer. So what hope is there? Because if you don't see Christ as attractive, if you don't see Him as trustworthy, if you don't see Him as beautiful, you're not going to come. You're going to hate the light. Jesus said, they don't come to the light because they love the darkness and they hate the light. The only hope is what? Let's keep reading. Two things have to happen. One is verse 5 and one is verse 6. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So here's what has to happen first. Somebody's got to preach the gospel and be a loving servant model of Jesus in your life. You got to hear the gospel. You got to hear Jesus announced. Evangelism and world evangelization and missions are absolutely indispensable if anyone is to be saved. But that will not save anybody if verse 6 doesn't happen. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness... You know what he's referring to there. The God who at the creation of the world said, let there be light. And the very command brought forth the light. Let light shine out of darkness. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us. Now he refers to what could not be seen back in verse 4. To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You got saved, Christian, because for some reason in your heart you saw the glory of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel, the light of the gospel. And darkness fled away. And what up till that moment in your life seemed unattractive, seemed boring, seemed foolish, seemed like a stumbling block, suddenly, how could I have ever treated it with disdain? 
This is the most precious, the most beautiful, the most self-authenticating, the most powerful, wonderful message in all the world. That happened to you. And it wasn't your virtue that made that happen. God did that. God said once upon a time in your life, let there be light in John Piper's heart. And all the rebellion and all the wickedness and all the resistance collapsed. And you freely mark that word. You freely and irresistibly were ravished by the beauty of Christ and believed. That's what happened. You couldn't articulate it. Of course you couldn't articulate it. Babies can't explain how they got born. But when they grow up, they can read obstetrical manuals called Romans. And they can know, and instead of thanking themselves that they crawled out of the womb, they thank God. God is so good to us, and we are so undeserving. Let's pray that God would come now. Let's close in prayer. Father, my prayer is that In this room right now, two things would happen. I'm sure you're doing more, but these two are on my heart. One is that your called of Jesus Christ would know where they came from so that they would be on their faces this afternoon saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for awakening me that I could see you and believe in you. And that you took out my heart of stone. That you took away my blindness. That you took away my deafness. That you took away my deadness. And made me alive to the beauty that I might believe. Thank you. And then, for those in this room who are not yet believing, I plead with you, Father, come and take away the darkness Take away the devil's influences. We just renounce the devil right now in all his ways and all his works. In the name of almighty Jesus, we renounce his darkening effects upon minds in this room. And ask you to deliver and save. Let's all stand. And we together as a congregation pray now. That every good thing that was begun in this service would now be completed by the same grace with which it was done. Lord, dismiss us now with your ongoing mercy and grace. I just say these words, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the people said, Amen. This is light and truth, God-centered preaching to help you see Christ clearly and treasure him truly. I'm your host, Dan Kruver. Thank you for listening. On our next episode, John Piper will preach a sermon titled, Loved by God, the ninth sermon in our 12-part series, The Gospel of God. 
I hope you'll join us. For more resources, visit DesiringGod.org.